Hey everybody, welcome to the Generation Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John, I'm the engagement pastor here, and I'm sitting here today with our lead pastor, Kyle Davis. We got some new decorations in the room today. I told you, it's been like an every week thing now. It is. It's kind of just like a part of it. I feel bad for people when it's just going to stop, especially yeah. now that they can watch live and actually exactly. see what we're talking about. Well, see, we just, Hannah is contributing to our set. We have added a, <laughs> you know, national part. She, basically, yeah. she's our set design, stage design, know, as right? she beautifies your house. We're, know, right? we're adding a little more. So, see, John, tell us what this thing is up so on the wall. It is a U.S. National Parks map. Uh, one of the things okay. me and Hannah love is we love to travel, love to see stuff. And so we got this, and one of the things about it is you can scratch off the different mm. parks as you go to them. So if you're watching on Facebook today, you see that we only have two scratched off. We have Joshua Tree and Mount Rainier are the only two that we have marked off. It's not that we haven't been to those, it's going to those together. So like I've been to the Smokies, she's been to the Smokies, but we haven't gone together. Kind gotcha. Of so it's just one of those we kind of keep track as we go. We went to Joshua Tree. While we were on the honeymoon, which is really fun. It was only 45 minutes from where we were at. Okay. And we went to Mount Rainier, gosh, that was two, three years ago when I was actually spent a summer up in Seattle. Okay. And she came up to visit me. Oh, so. man, that's really cool. So, hey, so if you like national parks and yes. you've visited a few, drop some of your favorite uh, national parks in the comments if you're watching this live on yeah. Facebook. If you are listening to us on the podcast, still reach out to us. Let us know Shoot what us are some of your, yeah, what, what your favorite national parks are. We would love to hear, and maybe we'll give you a shout-out the yeah. next time we record and talk about this. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, John, you preached this week, Give Over Get, mm -hmm. in serving. So talk to me a little bit about, as we have gone through Give Over Get, when I gave you this kind of topic, <laughs> this section, were you excited? Were you like, I can't believe Kyle gave me this one? Tell me just kind of your reaction as you processed Matthew 20, Give Over Get, and serving. I just thought, like for me, it was just a kind of a smooth fit. And it was also really cool because it's a lot of where I've spent some of my time uh, here at Generations because a lot of what I've been able to do as the engagement pastor is really how are people engaging with the church and are they finding their place? How are they connecting with the body of people? Are they finding a place to serve, a community group? Mm -hmm. Are they? Do they feel like they're growing in their place yeah. here, a part of the family? And it's cool because in the... Uh, passage you gave me in chapter 20 of Matthew, we start off with this parable that Jesus goes into talking about the workers in the vineyard. I know we're going to get into some more details about yeah. that, but it was more of we were able to take a week and look at how are we able to live out, give over get in the ways in which we serve. Okay. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to reevaluate some of this passage. Uh, you went back into Matthew chapter 19 and yeah. so but I'm gonna, I'm gonna tease that a little bit here but i think it's important we've talked about this term before and it's really important to understand this term for our passage today mm -hmm. and so you mentioned a couple times at the start of your sermon about kingdom yes uh, because jesus uses it in the in the passage and you you know it's later referenced um and you also later referenced you said we're invited into kingdom work. And mm. so I'm familiar with that phrase uh, from even from my CIY days growing up in church and around mm. going to CIY. Um, so let's let's explain that some. 
because uh, we don't have kingdoms anymore. We yeah. have a democracy. We're really a representative yes. republic for the, for the U.S. What do you mean by kingdom, and what do you mean by kingdom work? Yeah, it's not meant to be like an earthly kingdom, like we have a new form of government, politics, and all that stuff. Okay. It's meant to be like this heavenly kingdom. Um, it's supposed to be almost an illustration of what the, it's almost of the, I would say it's a physical manifestation of the church. Okay. Um, so I would almost include like how we describe church and kingdom would go kind of in sync in a sense. Okay. So basically... You're going to have some people really push back on that. So kind of where I'm going with this is that you have two terms when you talk about church. You have the big C church, which is the broad kingdom of the believers. Anybody who believes, it can be Mm. um, here in Vancouver. It can be back in Kentucky. Some of our friends back there in Ohio. It can be even across in a different country. It's believers of God across the world is a part of the big C church. We're all part of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And then you have your little C churches. So like us individually, we are Generations Church. There's Mm -hmm. a couple churches in our area. We have 6A, Columbia. You know, there are other um, almost groups of people that make up a um, small part of the big kingdom. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think it does. One of the phrases that I heard described to me to help be a real clear picture yeah. of this. Think of a Venn diagram. Yeah. And you have two overlapping circles. Well, what makes up those two circles is you have the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then a place. of a t- You know, it's time-bound. Mm-hmm. It's century, like it's location. So Vancouver, you know, 21st century, yeah. 2020, you know, we're here. And so anytime the gospel intersects a place— the kingdom of God mm-hmm. is present. Yeah. And so because the gospel brings transformation, it brings people really an, an agreement and yeah. approval of, of someone who is saying yes to following Jesus. Mm-hmm. When they say yes to that gospel and are transformed, that, that in a place brings about God's kingdom. So individual yes. people bring about a spiritual reality, spiritual God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the churches are, are groups really or I guess a better way to say it is they're an outpost yeah. for for the kingdom. So anywhere God's at work, anytime gospel intersects a place, God's kingdom is present, and the churches get to be a physical manifestation of people collectively yeah. living in reality or under submission to the one true King Jesus. Yeah. And so, so, so I, in a lot of ways. I absolutely yeah. agree with you. Yeah, because I, I, we're, we're in alignment there. Yeah, because on top of that, you talk about this kingdom work. It's the advancement of that kingdom, of yes. that church, of the believers going and making other believers. It's that advancement of the kingdom, bringing other people in, is where we get this concept of kingdom work. Yeah, taking the gospel to a place. Yeah. And, and so it's because when you take the gospel to a place, you're bringing the kingdom of God mm-hmm. to, to a physical place. And when you see transformation, when you see God at work, the kingdom of is present, yeah. and the church is 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 a collective of people yeah. living out that reality. So again, just to use mm-hmm. some of that outpost 
terminology because Jesus is the the one true king. Shout out to Kanye. There you go. A little <laughs> yes. throwback. It's been a few months. Haven't talked a ton know. about Kanye. So hey, maybe, Jesus maybe is he'll king. Watch and give us a shout out. Hey, to you him. never know. Hey, man, I've been watching Hip Hop Evolution, and this last episode <laughs> they talked on Netflix. They talked about Kanye, and they talked about his creative and lyrical genius, and how he was recorded a whole album with his mouth wired. Shut. So I thought that was pretty impressive. And just even in that interview, they didn't talk about his transformation at all. And so I thought it was just really cool to see how when the gospel impacts a place and impacts a person, it really does bring about incredible transformation, even in someone like Kanye. (laughs) Shout out, Jesus is king. So let's Let's go get back to our passage a little bit. Yes. You went back and picked up the story from Matthew 19 as you prepared us for what mm. the key point of Matthew 20 was. Yeah. Uh, parables can sometimes be tricky to interpret. How does the context of Matthew 19 help us understand what Jesus is really getting ready to set up in Matthew chapter 20? Yeah, so basically what happened was I got math, dove into Matthew 20, and from the get-go of it, you start off and it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like, and basically what you see here is that Jesus is describing something. He's giving uh, an example, a parable. He's basically giving an example to a point he's trying to make, and it's like, Mm. well, what point are you trying to make, Jesus? (laughs) Let me turn back my page. Let me push uh, the arrow back on my phone and go back and see what was previously going Mm. on. And we get these, um, sometimes they're split up into two stories. Sometimes they're lumped together as one. And basically what we see here is we see Jesus going down to Jerusalem, going down with his disciples, and a man speaks up from the crowd, and the guy's labeled as the rich young ruler. Mm. And he asks a question, and he basically says, uh, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Mm. And Jesus is basically like, this is what you got to do. Love God, the one who is the source of all things good. Follow his commands and the guy's like, well, like, Jesus, I'm going through the checklist and what you're giving me, and, like, I've, I've followed all this. Like, <laughs> what is missing? There is almost this kind of lack of something spiritually. He felt this emptiness, this almost missing the mark kind of thing within him. And he's like, Jesus, what, what is still lacking? Like, I've checked the boxes mm. of the commandments that are in the Bible. And Jesus kind of calls him out and says, but there's one thing you're still holding on to. Mm. You're finding your alliance and your possessions Mm. and your wealth of the things of this physical world rather than relying on God and Mm. his treasure that he has built up for you. Mm. And you end up seeing this man just kind of not very joyfully walking away. Mm. And he's upset and he's, there's this internal struggle he's having because Jesus goes on to say like, it's tough for a rich person to get into Mm. heaven. It's because there's such a temptation there that It's easy to go out and buy the things you need. It's easy, like, when you have a need and you have the money to take care of that need, like, it's just kind of done and you don't have to find, like, there's that temptation that's just kind of there to just rely on your money, rely on your wealth, rely on your workability uh, to get you the needs in which you need met. And so we see that happening here. And Peter comes around on the other side and says, well, Jesus, if it's so hard, even for a rich man, as someone who has everything they could ever need, if it's so hard for them to get into heaven, like, what, like, how can we even be saved? Jesus comes around and says, basically, he straight up says, what's impossible for man is possible with God. There's no amount of will, of effort that you can put in to earn yourself a place mm. in heaven. 
He's literally saying that it doesn't matter how hard you work at it, how much effort you put in it, you can't earn it. It's mm. not something you earn. It's not just a reward you get for the actions in what you do. Yeah. No, it's God who gives it to you in a gift. It's an internal inheritance, not an eternal reward for what you've done. And so um, basically Peter's kind of processing here and he's like, well, Jesus, like we've given up all our possessions. We've left our family. We've left our friends. We've given up literally everything to follow you yeah. and do what you just said this guy struggled to do. Like, what is our reward in heaven? Like, what's the treasure like for us? Like, what's the lifestyle going to be? It's almost, Peter in here, like, it can almost appear that there's this little bit of uh, arrogance, like self-love, like this, like self, like build up of like, man, like I've done all this stuff you've asked. Like, I'm relying on you. Like, do I get something extra in heaven? And Jesus mm. like, like you, you've built up a treasure there. Yes. And then he hits him with something that's weird and leads into this parable. He says, the first will be last and the last will be first. And you can just imagine that Peter's like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> Jesus, that's not really an answer here. Yeah. And then he dives into this parable. Okay. And when we begin to have that mindset, because it's so easy to go straight into this parable and go, well, Jesus, like what's going on here? You see people working different amount of hours, putting in different effort and yeah. they all get paid the same. Yeah. This it seems unfair. Yeah. Like, if you just read the parable for itself, there is that little bit of unjustness, this, like, mm. Jesus, this doesn't really make sense. Like, why why is this happening? This guy who worked one hour, worked from five to six o'clock, and then you have guys who started out early in the day, yeah. been laboring in the sun, and are literally like, we agree like, to get a day's wage for working the entire day. Yep. They got a day's wage for working an hour. Mm. Like, where's the... Where's the justice in that? Mm. Where's the righteousness, the fairness in this parable? And it's found mm. in the story right before this. Mm. So. What do you mean by that? What do you mean found in the story right before this? So you see the almost the problem that comes um, prior to this in the sense that it's not what we have here is we're talking about the work that's going on in the vineyard. Okay. And we've compared that to it's it's. It's an illustration for God's kingdom on earth. And we talked about this kingdom and the mm -hmm. church and the family of people. And the goal of this isn't for us to put in all this work to build up our treasure in heaven. There's no um, different levels of society in heaven. There's no, um, mm. there's no amount of work you can do to build up a higher standing when you get to heaven. Mm. For there is an internal inheritance that is greater than anything that you can ever deserve like yeah. we don't deserve what we're going to get it doesn't matter how long you've spent time in the vineyard working for the kingdom working for the church there's no amount of time and effort you can put in to deserve that and yet we have a god who loves us so mm -hmm. much who's so full of grace and mercy that he's going to give it to us regardless and what he's saying here is that i'm giving you a fair wage something that's beyond fair i'm yeah. giving you eternal life with me mm. even in the and it's so easy for us to look and say, well, God, I put in all this works, but we forget all the times in which we failed. Mm. I, that's a powerful point there is, is we sounds like you're saying is like, we can get really self-absorbed and self consumed mm. with what we're doing right. And, and assume that what we're doing right mm. is what is only getting really counted and looked at. Yeah. And I love the question in the parable. It says, are you jealous? You know, because I'm, generous and at the root cause yeah. is 
the fact that Jesus has even invited us to work mm-hmm. on his behalf to advance yeah. his kingdom and be part of part of what he is doing in the world, which means we have a right relationship with him and thus yeah. a right relationship with God, is is grace at its highest level, is being merciful to us when we when we don't deserve it. Because you go back in Matthew chapter 19, and it's like the disciples, you know, they, they hear all this about the rich young ruler. And just go back to the other question that's asked. It says, like, so then who can be saved? Yeah. It's like, it's almost like, listen, if a rich person who has everything and who has even kept the law, yeah, can't like, doesn't quite understand what salvation is, which means being, mm-hmm. you know, put into um, God's kingdom. It's like, man, like, then who is that? And it's like, yeah, that's exactly the point. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die for them, something that they didn't deserve. And then I think there's another aspect that I think it's more of a cultural thing we put on this passage, is that we look Mm. at this vineyard and the work they're putting in. And it's almost like, well, like they're putting in this work to earn a wage and know, like, that's not the kingdom work he's talking about. Yeah. The kingdom work is what we talked about earlier. Is taking the gospel to others, to expanding the family, bringing mm-hmm. other people in, and inviting them in to the vineyard, into the kingdom, into the family in which we talk about. It's not about earning the wage; it's yeah. bringing in others. Yeah, well, and it's it's like you go back to that rich young ruler and the disciples, and they have all this preconceived mm-hmm. notion about all these dividing lines that there's all these barriers and separations of class of people. Yeah. And, and that's what I, that's what I loved about what you were saying really, as you brought out the, the key points of this, this parable is it's like the, the fact isn't who is first and who is last. It's just that you're in Yeah. like, like quit trying to, you know, <laughs> size up, assess, evaluate yes. the status of others just be glad that people are working alongside yeah. of you. Like, cause I mean, as more people join the work field, it's like technically it makes the work easier. E- easier. Yeah. It's like, you've got more people, you can accomplish more. It's exactly. there, there's a higher level of success. And it's like, man, quit, quit trying to look at yourself and size up and assess everybody else. It's like, I mean, just be glad there are more people working rather than, than really being, being selfish of like, all sweet, we're the only workers, yeah. and look at all them poor people and that and that distance created. Because again, you know the rich young ruler again, he, yeah. he's he's probably thinking there's some divisions. The disciples are probably even thinking, yeah. And that's why I love that this followed. Uh, I don't know if it was intentional or unintentional <laughs> the way in which it worked, but it fell after a week in which you talked about uh, how to give and live generously in our relationships, of how to quit looking and identifying who's my neighbor and making almost that checklist of what it means to be a neighbor and saying, no, no, no. How can I just be a neighbor rather than assessing who deserves for me to consider them to be a neighbor kind Mm. of thing. And so I've, I love almost that transition because it's like, man, like if we're truly just being a neighbor, we're looking to expand the family and it doesn't matter when someone comes in, we're just glad that they are in. Well, and it's, it's, it's been cool to follow this series, and I'm going to be honest, some of this was like, ooh, I think this will flow yeah. really good, and some of it's like, some of how it's flowed has been absolutely, completely a God thing. I yeah. didn't plan it, and just to think about, we started with the conscious choice to say, give over, get, and then the motivation of becoming a give over, get person, where it's just instinctual, yeah. and then seeing how that applies, and it it applies to our relationships and then how we serve and how we work um, to to advance, you know, the gospel, uh, the, 
the good yeah. news about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, how he's done that for us, and then, you know, how that how that plays out, you know, in our finances. And so we talk about the relational, you know, basically think about your time, your talent, your treasure, the, the, yes. <laughs> the three kind of churchy tees, if you've been around that before, you've heard those, and it's like, really, it, it does, it takes time. Like it takes using your your gifts and your abilities, and that's that's what you brought out so well this, this past week. And then then your treasure, yeah. and so John, uh, just a point of clarity. We not to belabor the point too much, but it seems like it doesn't matter when you join the vi- vineyard. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that I can delay my response to join in the working and receive the same reward? And follow up to that. Why should I start following Jesus or working in the vineyard now if I don't get anything better, if there's not a distinction in reward? How would you say to someone who kind of hears that parable and says, sweet, I'll just delay. I'll live life how I want to. And then, yeah, then I'll just jump into following Jesus when I feel like it and uh, and just get the same reward as everybody else. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's the fun thing about this passage and why you can't just look at the parable by itself and you have to go before that to see the full context of what's going mm. on here. It's, and it's very countercultural to what we have today, what we just talked about, is that so often we can look at this and say, man, they're working, working. Like they, some people deserve a better wage because in our society, it's you put in X number of hours and you get paid for that. Someone else puts in less hours, they're going to get paid less for <laughs> that. If you have more expertise in something, if you got a higher degree, you might get paid more for working the same amount of hours. And there's, we make mm-hmm. all these distinctions in our culture, but in here what's happening, rather than it being this consumerism, like we put in this so we deserve mm. to get this kind of thing, rather it's all about building up the treasure for others. Not building it up for ourselves, but building up in others that they are able to receive the treasure themselves. Mm. That we all get the same treasure that none of us deserve. We should never get to a point in saying, I've done X amount of hours, I've put in this much effort, I've willed it this much that I deserve the treasure of eternal Mm. life. We never deserve it. Mm. We never earn it, and we can never get it for ourselves. It's impossible by the will of man, but it's possible because Mm. of God, because of his love and his grace. And this is why we invite people to jump in like as soon as you can. Because what we want to see is it's not to advance your status in heaven, Rather, is to expand the family that gets to join mm. you in heaven, in the new heavens and new earth. Mm. Basically, the kingdom work is rallying and bringing in as many believers as you can who will go and get more believers themselves and then <laughs> believers of their own. And so that the family, when we spend eternal life with God, is just so humongous mm. that we just see people from all walks of life, from all parts of our world, from different countries, different nations who look different than us, speak different than us, have different backgrounds than us. It's not a matter of assessing saying, well, these type of people should be in. It's everyone is invited in. And we see that in the, in the landowner, he keeps going back and saying, man, have you not received work? Like come join us, Mm. come join us. And it's never, you know, um, it's never, he only invites the people there in the morning. He's inviting people constantly. God's going to continue to invite people in. How are we going to respond to that? Yeah, I, I think that's, I think it's well put and well said. And I just, I'm sitting over here flipping through my Bible and I just, I was drawn to, to Philippians and I just, there's a couple different passages in Philippians that I think about this, this topic and this idea of, well, yeah, like, let me just, just kind of push off 
following Jesus because I can I can do some other things now that may seem more pleasurable. I get more satisfaction. Yeah. And it, and I think what you at, at the point is I just said the word there is satisfaction. It's like at the end of the day, it's like where where do you find your satisfaction at? Yeah. Ultimately, like where's where is your hope? And where are you seek finding your sense of identity and sense of sense of purpose from? And I love what Paul says is because Paul lays out um, just all his credentials, like all the things he's good at, all the things that in his day yeah. people would have taken pride in. And I think we have to look at ourselves and say, like, is the reason we're putting off following Jesus because we have some things that we want to take pride in, or we want to boast in, or or we want to do? And then, again, almost automatically assume that we're promised tomorrow and then can jump into following Jesus. And again, that yeah. I, we're not promised tomorrow, but it, we can boast and we can have all kinds of this pride and, and these things that we think are valuable, especially in our own day. Yeah. And what I love what Paul says is in, in chapter 3, he says, But everything that was gained to me I've considered to be lost because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that we may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but as one through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead, talking about that eternal life and that eternal reward. And I love what Paul just does right there. He says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and just recognize that yeah we may be some of us may be at work in god's kingdom a little bit longer yeah and there may be suffering there may be hardship again we live in a pain adverse suffering adverse culture we we don't like it so the idea of oh let me delay have a little more satisfaction a little more pleasure to then receive essentially the the same reward um, later it's like that that appeals to us and what paul says is no when when you suffer and the same way that Christ suffered is there. There's a, there's an identification. There's a unification there, and it's actually what actually makes us to be more like Jesus is yeah. the fact that we can take things that the world to say is good, and say actually, Jesus flips that upside down. What yeah. is good is Jesus, and I will suffer for His sake. Meaning I will again work and advance His kingdom, yeah. even at maybe my personal cost to temporary satisfaction temporary applause, temporary control or power uh, in the, in this world. And so, and again, what, just what Paul says, he says it's actually better to know Jesus than to know all those and to achieve all those other things. Because, I mean, you get to the core of it, and really just one yeah. of the, almost the blunt truths of it is the longer and longer you wait to really commit yourself into the family, to being a part of the vineyard of the kingdom work, that means it's the potential of less opportunities for you to invite other people into the family Mm. you miss those opportunities to bring other people alongside you and see them grow with jesus alongside you and one of the things that um i was going through a training this morning i thought it was really interesting because they took us to matthew 28 and talking about the great commission Mm. and there's this little part before it um it's almost a reassuring part is you see the 11 disciples 
They're going up to the mountain to go see Jesus right now. And it said they, they saw Jesus and some of them started worshiping mm. and some of them doubted. And, Jesus, <laughs> and then Jesus leads into his great commission. He says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Mm. Go, go into the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, making disciples and teaching them to obey everything. He says, I'm going to be with you till the end of time you do this. What's interesting to notice is that even some of his disciples were struggling mm. when he gave them this message. He says, go into the vineyard, go into my kingdom, like go into the world and advance it. Not all of them had all their stuff together. Mm. They aren't perfect at that moment. Mm. And they, almost the imitation is you don't have to have everything figured out. Mm. Just come and join and allow God to continue to shape your life. That's why we talk about this progress over perfection. You're never going to hit that perfection until we're in... Um, and then eternal life where Jesus, we are made new in yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's so good. I love how you went back to, to Matthew 28 there. And I just, I've got it underlined in my Bible. It's like, and remember that little, like I'm with you always to mm -hmm. the, to the end. Jesus' presence with us is comforting. And that's where just even Paul and his sufferings, it's like remembering that Jesus is with us in our sufferings and yeah. that makes it worth it even when it seems like it should be it's unfair or it's or yeah. it's um yeah i as i as you as you got to talking about the the progress over perfection and the journey and the spiritual journey it's i i go back and i think to just just personally it's like one of my greatest regrets uh at 28 years old you know father husband like pastor is like, I wish I would have taken more time to understand what it truly meant to follow Jesus um, in my high school years, because I was just flat out. I was such a poor witness. Like I was someone who would say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but like my life did not reflect yeah. that at all. And it's like, I go back and I mean, people from high school could even be watching this right now, but it's like, I just remember thinking it's like, Man, like there was just such a disconnect between my faith and the way in which I yeah. I lived I lived my faith. And the the reason I again I just I bring up the disconnect is because I pursued all these these other things and it was like the fact of you know again being being an athlete, being an honor student, you know, going to college courses, doing all the things I do and having all kinds of connections with different people, uh, the, the odds are that they remember as someone, Kyle, who's a jerk, who, who, who was, who's promiscuous, who, who would say one thing and do an, do another. And at the same time, show up to church, yeah. you know, on Sunday. And it's like, man, that's, I missed opportunities to communicate to people that God loves you. He has a plan for you. Mm. He he hasn't forgotten about you, and he proved that in Jesus. And while I may have cognitively known it, and I, again, I could have given you some of the answers back then. I yeah. could say it like gospel is like I did Bible Bowl growing up. It's like I I, I could do all those those yeah. those answers and give those those things. But what was, but I, but I was unwilling to sacrifice a level of prestige or. Uh, in what and what 
again, what the popularity thing in high school. Yeah. Even, and again, my popularity was how bad could I rebel, yeah. not how popular could I be. And I became more popular, really, not in the sense of the like as people like me, but because more people disliked me because that's the more I rebelled. And, yeah. and I reveled in it. I did all, all that because I was unwilling to simply say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to learn what it means to to have that come to bear in every aspect of of my life. And just to take that back to the main point is when we delay following Jesus, we miss out on opportunities to for others to experience the true joy and purpose that comes yeah. in following Jesus. And I and I have to trust that that Jesus will redeem that yeah. someday, somehow, and ultimately that 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 Jesus will still be generous. Yeah. Uh, you know, on on the you know, as 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 we continue to live and 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 do ministry. And as I as I talk about my experience, personal experience following Jesus, bringing in some of these different application points, you addressed three different types of people who might look at this passage and find themselves in some viewpoint or have a have a perspective on this parable or working in the vineyard and about yeah. who's being invited to participate. Um, on experiencing God at different timestamps. Um, it seems like you had a point for each that helped them find their place within the family. And so, and a point of application that extended beyond just serving on Sunday. Um, so we use the term ministry fit around generations. What are some practical tools that you'd suggest to help someone find their place? And just recap for me, just the people who are in each of those different seats, how might they find their place as they're trying to explore things of faith? Yeah, so basically we got to this point and I brought out um, three examples of people. You have the people who are standing in the marketplace, the people who might be new to the vineyard, and basically the core behind this person is that they're just new to this whole Christianity thing. There's mm. this level of invitation there and they're kind of on the, almost on the skirts, kind of flirting with it of, do, who is this Jesus? Do mm. I actually believe him? Do I want to follow? And my, my biggest encouragement to someone who's maybe on the outside, who's maybe just kind of trying to figure this whole thing out, maybe it's brand new to you, or maybe you've been hurt by a church and you've kind of took a step away. My biggest encouragement with you is just to take that next step and engage. Just kind of dip your toes in and see what happens. Maybe... For you, what that might look like is signing up to serve in an event. Mm. Maybe it's just showing up on a Sunday uh, to a Sunday gathering and just interacting with some people and seeing what happens. Maybe it's just you you find a community group, you sign up and you go mm. and you just meet some people. You, maybe you like the uh, kind of lower attendance kind of setting where you actually get to know somebody. Maybe you like the bigger setting where you can kind of hide in the crowd. Mm. Wherever you're at, whatever you're more comfortable with, my biggest encouragement is that you would just take a step to engage. The second type of person is the person that's been in the vineyard. Uh, they've been kind of working, laboring away, and there's almost this dissatisfaction that's within them. Mm. They've been kind of uh, hammering away at some work or a certain task, and they're just almost feeling this exhaustion. I talked about this burnout, um, mm. the busyness, the bitterness that can come out of this, and there's just someone who's there who's just wrestling. Maybe there's some struggles going on in their life, and they haven't really come to grips with man, I'm doing all this stuff for God 
and yet my life is still a wreck. Mm. Things are still happening. It feels like everything around me is collapsing when I'm trying to do everything good. Where do I go and what do I do? My biggest encouragement to that kind of person is embody. Like, follow who Jesus is. Allow him, continue to follow suit. Embody Jesus, listen to him, and kind of look what we talked about a couple weeks back. His characteristics, his priorities, are they lining up with my life? And when we embody, we have a family around us. Share those struggles, share that bitterness, mm. share that burnout and say, I'm struggling in this position. Maybe I need to step into something mm. else and have that conversation. Mm. And then the third kind of person is the person that's been laboring away for a while. They've been, um, they've been doing what we talk about of ex- extending, extending the love of God. They mm. are avid kingdom workers who might be serving on a Sunday, might be serving mm. at an event, who are just loving on people and engaging and really their next step is once you are thriving you are just giving in everything you do invite Mm. others to join you this is what we talk about when we talk about expand when we expand Mm. the family it's when someone who's extending invites other people along Mm. maybe you see someone who's on the skirts of just beginning to engage and you're like hey come serve with me you know do you have an interest in helping me run this summer? Mm. Do you have an interest in helping us watch some kids? Do you have an interest in helping us set up pipe and drape? Maybe mm. plan this event. Maybe come and serve with us here. Mm. Invite someone along with you or even look in your church family and say, man, that person is struggling. That person, um, it feels like life is collapsing for them. They had a family member pass away. Or maybe they're dealing with a sickness mm. or surgery. And it's just like, man, how can I love and care for them? Maybe I just need to be present with them. Maybe I just need to reach out and say, hey, how can, what can I do? For, can I provide a meal for you guys this mm-hmm. week? Um, there's this level of, there's these four E's we talk about, of almost the process of what we talk about in growing in our discipleship. Mm-hmm. Of We want people to engage with us. Mm-hmm. And after they engage, we want to see them embody who Jesus has called them to be. Mm-hmm. And then we want to see them extend that, extend that yeah. love that Jesus gives you, that those characteristics, those priorities, give. Yeah. And then as you do that, the expansion is when you circle back around and you bring someone else through that with yeah. you. Yeah. That's that's well said. I I the the engage piece is and what you highlighted about like the difficulty there to back up for a second is yeah. is those they're really the barriers in between those four E's. Yeah. So if you're someone who's who's in like engaging it's like you, you have to you have to continue to show up you have to continue to be present you yeah. have to you have to to continue to push through some yeah. of that awkwardness to really begin to adopt the character and priorities of Jesus for yourself yeah. and as you do that like and you yeah. start to apply it that's the that's when the busyness yeah. the burnout and all that stuff and it's like you're going to bump up against that yeah. and how you how you're really able to 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 just push through that is is again i would say it's just that abiding piece. It's like getting yeah. to know who Jesus is. Why are you doing that? Remembering back to, to, to your identity and pushing through that. And it's like, and as you're working in that, remembering if, you're, hey, you're not alone in you this. Have you, can, you have a family. Yeah. And that's really the last one that is recruit others yeah. to, to that cause. And so I, I think that's, that's, really, that's really, really good. And, John, you gave some examples there. Yeah. We talk about serving in and around generations. Yeah. What are ways that people might use their gifts and abilities to serve that don't necessarily, maybe people are really locked into kids ministry, worship ministry, yeah. you know, Sunday things. 
take, take us outside kind of that Sunday box. What would it look like to work in God's vineyard Monday through Saturday? Yeah, because, I mean, we talk about being everyday people, and it's so easy for us to kind of fall into the, well, these are the things that are needed to make a Sunday gathering mm. happen. Outside of that, there's a lot of stuff that goes on during the week from anything from maybe you're an administrative person. You love numbers. You love uh, data input. There's stuff you can do in that. Uh, maybe you just love people, and you'd be willing to uh, give phone calls to people who maybe have expressed a prayer request or a care need, and you just call and follow up with them and say, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you today. Is there What can I tangibly pray for you today? And is there a way in which us as the church family can rally around you guys and pray for you guys? Or even meet a need of, say, someone's in the hospital and you say, man, I'm just going to come. I'm going to sit with you guys for a couple hours. Um, I mean, we have people who do handwritten notes during the week. Mm. We have people who uh, make phone calls during the week. We have uh, people that plan and brainstorm different ways we can engage our community. We have an events team that doesn't do anything for necessarily for Sunday, but they plan for events ahead of what are we going to do this next year uh, in service events, uh, connecting with what's going on in our community, how can we be active in our schools, mm -hmm. in the needs in our community, and serving in those ways. Uh, how can we put on some fun events to just love on people mm -hmm. in our community, love on people in our church. I am, There are many different ways and many different skill sets that people have. Maybe you're someone who just enjoys being around people. Maybe you're uh, an introvert like myself a little bit, who mm. would rather just sit here and how can I just help with some of the busy work of maybe uh, you love computers, maybe you love social media, and you're like, hey, I could help out with one or two social media posts a week. There are, There mm -hmm. is not a place in which we can't plug someone in. That's always my encouragement is we have what we think we need and mm. the help we can have. But until people share like, hey, this is what I'm passionate about, what I love to do, how God has gifted me, that we go, oh my gosh, that would be like, you can do awesome things with that. And you don't know that mm. unless you have that conversation of saying, this is how God's wired me, how God's gifted me. And I, I don't know what to do with this, but this is something that I love to do. And it's like, man, like, let's see what God can do with that and pray over that and see what that mm. would look like. So that's always my encouragement. Yeah. And one of the things that what I would say is as we talk about this thing about workers and working in the field, people may I, – I, I guess the easiest way to say it is workers in God's kingdom are out in the harvest field. They're not in the grain bin stirring the grain. Yeah. And so it's it's – it's being someone who's willing to live out your faith Monday through Saturday yeah. and recognizing that serving others don't have to just be Christians within the church. And it doesn't have to be even, yeah. even church, church related um, functions. Yeah. And so that it's, it's, you can look at your neighborhood and figure out ways to um, figure, figure, really figure out ways to, to serve them, yeah. maybe maybe you you got to actually listen to other people, look them in the eye, hear hear and yes. and figure and figure out what their needs are, 
And here's the beauty of the church family is, is you may, as you hear that, you may not be able to personally do anything about this, but because you know people in the church, they may be able to, whether it's through their job, through their, through their skill set, through their passion, may actually be able to come around and connect with that person who isn't necessarily a, a, a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And it's just tangibly to show the love of God and to show that you are um, just, just connecting yeah. with God. And so... To, to progress from engage, to embody, to extend, to really expand. It's to go from someone who is, okay, I'm going to turn from my selfish way of living yeah. and embrace and embody God's character and priorities. Yeah. Then you, you go from that, really from embracing God's character and priorities to start to work. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to prune out in order to get rid of that busyness, bitterness, and, and yeah. burnout, you're, you're going to have to prune to get from that to actively working. And as you actively working, you have to pursue Jesus and remember your why. And we see that at Generation Church a lot. It's we do everything we do yeah. because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so let's, let's give someone a practical, a real practical tool. John, what's someone who is trying to explore Maybe how they might serve in a church or serve someone. We've given them kind of some abstracts. We've given them some examples. Are there any tools or resources that you would point them to that says, hey, take this test, do this thing that you would say, this might help you better understand who you are and how you might be used as a worker in God's kingdom? Yeah, so there's really two kind of things that come to my mind. One of them is to have a conversation. Mm. Um, and that can come in many different ways and we promote, uh, different ways and avenues to have conversations like that. So, okay. uh, a couple times a year we'll host a next steps lunch, okay. which is all centered around, Hey, come out. We're going to host you for lunch. We're going to share a little bit about who generations is. And then we're going to ask you, who are you and who has God made you and how, uh, do you see yourself fitting mm. in here? Or what I'd even encourage you is maybe you want to have a conversation over an individual coffee. Mm. I shared a story this weekend about how I did that yeah. with someone in our church. And they were, and basically I asked them, I said, what is your passion? Like, mm. what do you enjoy to do? And they were able to talk about the things that they do in work and the things that they're passionate about. They're like, I love doing mm. these things. How can I do that here in the church? And it's mm. like, well, let's, let's do it like this. And so a conversation is one of the... One of the easiest ways to do that, yeah. And we always love an excuse to get coffee, so yes. uh, message us or lunch or dinner or yeah. exactly. Um, the second way I would encourage someone if they're just trying to figure out what that looks like, maybe you don't know exactly what you like to do. My biggest encouragement is try things out, mm. test run things, try try one thing one week, and then go, man, this did not work for me. And go to something else, or maybe you'll try something out, and you'll go, "Man, I love this, and I never knew I would enjoy this." Mm. And so, those are two of my biggest encouragements of like tangible things to do. One, have a conversation, and two, tr- just try something out, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I I agree with you. There is, I think sometimes we have to get that experience, and we have to be able to share our story. And again, that's just one of our values at Generations is, is we do want to hear your story. We want to hear your background, your experience, what you've been through, because that that may actually be helpful to someone else. One of the yeah. old acronyms that I heard is, is figure out your shape. And so that's identify <laughs> spiritual gifts. What's your heart, which is the passion piece. Yeah. What are your just abilities? 
uh, what's your personality, and then what's your experience. So what yeah. type of things have you helped out with in the past? You know, do you find yourself when you're on a team, you know, taking more of the administrative? Are you the detail? Are you someone who goes and orders things? Yeah. Or or you find yourself, you like to stand up and like, rah, rah, let's go get them. Like, let, let's take yeah. the hill, like lead the charge there. Like as, as through those conversations yeah. and through you trying those things out with our team mm-hmm. leaders, we will be able to help you find your shape for the ministry fit at Generations Church. And what's cool is that doesn't just apply to Sunday as we've stressed. And I, I want to make sure that's that's loud and clear here yes. is, is it's not just it's not just Sunday. It's as you leverage your gifts, skills, and ability, you will be able to help people throughout the week. And really, again, the workers are out in the harvest field. The harvest field, in the metaphorical sense, for for the church is those outside Sunday morning, outside those four walls, where people live, work, and play. And so maybe that's helping someone find a job. Maybe that's helping someone repair a roof or do some electrical. Um, And you serving them in that way is actually the first step at inviting them to be engaged and connected uh, to the church specifically because you want to see them trust and follow Jesus. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Please subscribe. Also, we'd love for you to share this podcast and our other social media with your family and friends. This will be a great way to hear our weekly teaching and additional conversations we're having around Generations Church. Thanks for joining us.